Hello and welcome to Nutri Ingredients. Now, two decades ago, Professor Glenn Gibson and Dr. Mary Ellen Sanders co-founded the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics, or ISAP. And over those 20 years, the association has played a big role in advancing the science around probiotics and prebiotics. Now, Dr. Sanders has been a constant at ISAP the whole time, but will shortly step away and hand over the reins to new leadership. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Mary Ellen. And first of all, it's great to see you. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for this, Stephen. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you. You're very welcome. Now, you and I, have, we previously talked about the founding of ISAP, so I don't want to I don't want to dwell too much on that. But I did want to ask you, you know, what you think have been the association's big achievements over the past 20 years? What are the things that you look back on and you think, yeah, we really moved the needle for everybody here? Right. Well, I think one um, initiative that we took on um, in the recent years was to try to publish consensus definitions for um, different terms in the biotics area. And we started with a publication, uh, I believe it was in 2014, of probiotics. And then we followed that with prebiotics, symbiotics, um, fermented foods, and postbiotics. And, and I think the these definitions, I think, and the and the criteria that are put forward in these publications, I think have been really important. I think it's important for the field to really understand what the baseline understanding and criteria are for these substances so that the whole scientific and commercial and regulatory world can coalesce around definitions that that make the most sense. And if you don't have solid definitions, um, you know, then the terms really lose their value. They lose their meaning. And so, Without a good definition, I, I think it, it really does harm the field. So um, I checked this morning and um, the combination of those five consensus panel papers have been accessed 456,000 times. Um, they've all been published in Nature Reviews, Gastroenterology and Hepatology. So I do think they've had quite an, an impact. And, and we're noticing more and more that they're showing up being referenced in, in you know, the popular media as well. So we're, we're pretty happy with the way um, the impact those have had. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say, you know, when when I look at when I report on the industry or when I look at papers and things, they they refer to these definitions. So that you know that clearly shows that people are embracing them. I mean, one or yeah. two, one or two of them. I don't know if you want to get into it. You know, it's like the postbiotic one is not is mm -hmm. is has been a little bit problematic. Yeah. But I agree that you need to you need to put a marker in the in in the ground, right? You yeah. need to say this is what we understand right now, right? And science advances, and and perhaps in a couple of years you revisit it, but you know, you've right. got to start somewhere. Right, right. And I completely agree with you. And and I think, you know, we've, our intention has always been to put our best foot forward. And if there's disagreements, I, I think we can revisit things in the future, but um, you need to start somewhere. And I think that all of our definitions have been pretty well considered and think through implications of, of some of the word use. And also, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way those have gone. Um, yeah. Another thing that I, I've been really happy with with ISAP is, is our annual meetings. And, and our annual meetings have really brought together um, scientists, um, both from industry and from academics, as well as some government scientists um, to some extent, to really address big challenges in the field. And, and our meetings just have always been you know, very cutting edge and seem to have really resulted in a lot of collaborations and, you know, different types of research gets sprouted from conversations that have happened there. And, you know, and I, I think that the, the very novel approach we have with our meetings where they are, we do keep them intentionally small, 
um, really builds um, the opportunity for networking. And um, I think that that's been something else that, that has been an important contribution over the years. Yeah, I, d I did want to talk to you about that kind of academia and industry, um, how that sits. Because, you know, when I look around like the wider nutrition community, you know, the actual science of dietary supplements, functional food space, let's say, there, there are distinct areas from my perspective where industry and academia don't mix. You know, there's a stark divide. But yeah. I've always found that from a scientific perspective, probiotics, prebiotics, you know, that whole kind of community is much more collaborative. And it's not mm -hmm. just between industry and academia, but it's also across different scientific disciplines. I mean, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And if, yeah. And if so, you know, how has that advanced this topic perhaps faster than than it would have advanced otherwise? Yeah, I, I think that the collaborations ISAP has had with industry scientists has been huge. And, and you know, I can just you know, provide a testimony to the fact that the industry scientists are, are outstanding scientists in their own regard. And yes, it's easy to look at them and say, well, they have a certain, um, you know, interest to promote whatever um, their particular company is focused on. But in our experience, the industry scientists attend the meetings, they participate in different initiatives, and they bring their best science game to the to bear. And they are extremely capable of saying, well, maybe this is of particular interest to our company, but what we're really doing here is trying to find the common ground that really is gonna move the whole field forward. And I, I, I think without exception, that's been the experience we've had with ISAP. I mean, they've, um, they've been wonderful to collaborate with and they appreciate us bringing in academic scientists who are happy to work with them as well. And, you know, and, and one other thing I will say is, I, and this is a broader comment in terms of the idea of conflict of interest or bias. I mean, certainly ISAP has, has um, tried over the years to keep an arm's length so that it's clear that the organization's activities and decisions are not driven by specific industry members. And I think that that's important for, a, 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 if nothing else, a per, um, perception of conflict of interest. But you know, everybody has their own biases and whether or not it's, you know, um, communicating in a way that is going to help you get your next research grant or communicating in a way that's going to promote a company. I mean, both of those are equal or, or similar kinds of biases or equivalent biases. And I think um, the important thing is to just be clear about what those those potential conflicts are and then let the science speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. And I also wanted to ask you about, you know, like, so it's not just probiotics and prebiotics anymore. You know, you've got, got all the, these other kinds of, what I don't know what you call them, microbiome modulators in play, you um, know, postbiotic phages, all this kind of things that are really now early days, but are quite exciting. There's a lot of science going on. I mean, when you look at the bigger space, what excites you about all of these advances? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's an enormous field, isn't it? And you didn't include in your in your um, comment the probably the biggest microbiome modulator, which is antibiotics, you know, and those have been around for an awful long time. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, my hope is that we can finally move beyond associations and get into causality with microbiome work. And, you know, I am not a microbiome researcher. I need to put that <laughs> out there right now. So there's, you know, the details, the, the nitty gritty, the, you know, rolling your sleeves up and getting into the actual data is just not something that I do. I'm not trained to do it. And I'm probably not smart enough to do it. But 
when I take a step back and look at the field as a whole, I, I see an awful lot of work that's published that's very interesting that shows associations between different microbiome patterns and different endpoints, you know, be, be it health or be it disease. But we really lack the causality right now to, to very firmly say that this particular microbiota modulation is going to lead to this particular outcome. And, um, you know, there are many exciting um, potential endpoints looking at gut brain, looking at vaginal ecosystems, you know, looking at the skin microbiome. I mean, there's so many places where microbes have an important effect. Um, and I think all of those are exciting. I mean, metabolic health is hugely important, but, um, you know, we just have to hope that the research community can move it forward so we can get more of a sense of causality rather than associations. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So twenty years of, of life up, and you're you're handing over the reins. And I know you're a, you're a horse lover, so that seems like an apt way of saying it. So what's what's next for for ISAP, and and where do you stand on the search for a new executive director? Right, um, I think that uh, you know ISAP is definitely going to have to undergo a transition um, with, from from me. I mean, this has been partly an occupation, but partly a labor of love for me over these years, and. And it's going to be important to hand the reins on to a strong um, leader and a, and a someone who's really committed to ISAP's objectives and and overall um, uh, you know focus and and you know move initiatives forward in a in a a positive manner. Um, I I think that there are probably different um, un initiatives that ISAP may undertake over the years. I, I mean, in coming years, I should say. I can see us move potentially to having a few more open um, registration meetings. So although our closed registration, very small meetings are really a cornerstone for, for how we've moved forward. I think um, we, um, you know, that we recognize the value of being opening up the doors and being more inclusive to other scientists who might want to participate in the discussion. So I think that the board is supporting um, a movement in that direction. Um, supporting movements for looking at particular scientific pro, um, scientific issues, maybe separate from the annual meeting. So looking toward convening small expert panels that um, maybe could be focused on particular challenges in the in the knowledge gaps and research areas that we need to move the field forward. You know, I think things like that are going to happen. Um, I think ISAP ha also has to figure out how it's going to balance the loss of, you know, a lot of institutional knowledge, because over the last few years, one of the things that, that ISAP has undertaken is not just this, you know, potent or the, the upcoming transition out of um, my role as executive director, but we've also started transitioning off long-term board members who have been with the organization from the start. So people like um, Glenn Gibson and Gregor Reed and Bob Hutkins, who wasn't there at the start, but has been there for many years. Um, several years ago, Francisco Gorner left the board. So we have a lot of people who were just very instrumental in getting this organization off the ground and moving and are so important to um, sort of the body of ISAP that now no longer have those um, specific leadership positions in, on the board. I think the organization is going to have to figure out how to balance this institutional knowledge with with the importance of bringing in new blood and new ideas. Yep, yep. And the executive director, are you are you close? Well, we're we're looking. Yeah, we can't. We really don't have any announcements to make at this point about about anybody. But um, we're 
you know, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, the executive director hiring committee convened more than a, a year um, before my anticipated transition date. So they, they're looking. So hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement over the next uh, month or two. Excellent. And then what's next for you? Yeah. Well, you mentioned the horses. So <laughs> I, yeah, I do hope to be able to ride my horse more. I, I guess I should start by saying I, I don't really have um, any huge plans to do anything, you know, any huge um, new new undertakings, but probably try to just do more of the kinds of things that I've enjoyed doing over the years, but just haven't had as much time. So ride my horse more, hike more, spend more time with my grandkids, um, you know, maybe, you know, read a little bit more, try to try to advance my my brain in other areas a little bit more or more or less what what I'm thinking. But we'll see. You never know what's going to happen. It sounds wonderful. Congratulations on all you've uh, achieved over the last 20 years. Uh, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yes, of course. Thanks so much.